Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in and let us find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. All right, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled, It's Only Out of Love That I Judge You. Now, friends, I'm going to be honest here. This topic is very heavy. Or as a therapist that I see from time to time says, this one is hot. Now, little sidebar here. Does it shock you to hear me admit that I see a therapist? Because it shouldn't. You should be shocked if I didn't. The care of your emotions and your mind is just as sacred as your heart and soul and your physical body. Even outside the spectrum of religious indoctrination that may have convinced you that you were weak in spirit if you sought mental therapy, which that is certainly my experience as well. There is a stigma to mental therapy. And this is really timely for me to talk about this because next week I have the honor of interviewing a licensed therapist who's going to be talking about deconstructing from religion and the harm that religious trauma has caused. But this stigma around mental therapy, it is time to dispel that. And on a future episode, we'll also dive into spiritual care and uh, counseling, biblical counseling, uh, the differences in those and why it's important to know the differences and why that's not the same as having a licensed therapist um, at your uh, taking care of your care, your mental care, your emotional care, your mental well-being. But for today, it's just important for you to know that, yes, indeed, I have a therapist and I hope you do as well. But back to the topic, the title again is it's only out of love that I judge you again. This is a very heavy topic because someone who judges another may believe they are truly doing it out of love, but most often their perception is absolutely not reality. The reality is, is that it feels nothing like love. How many of us have experienced that and know that it absolutely does not feel like love, especially if that judgment is coming from someone who believes that they are laying testimony to their faith. And that might be an antiquated term, but anybody who comes from the evangelical uh, realm will understand this laying testimony to their faith where they feel like they are exhibiting it in some way by judging other people and calling it love. But advice to you, my friends, if this is you, it doesn't matter what authority you think you are speaking through. If the judgment to whom you are delivering the judge to the, if the person to whom you are delivering the judgment does not feel you are in authority of them, you're going to have a hard time convincing them that your words come from a place of love. Now, a video I recently shared on TikTok that went viral is where I shared this story. I told a story of someone coming to my actual ordination celebration. And she gave me a card and on the card, it just said to Carla and she wanted to point that out. And she just said, I want you to know that out of love, I'll never call you reverend. And the way she said it, it had an edge to it. She was very proud of herself. She saw that as a testament to her faith. But I remember at that time, how much it hurt. And I remember very specifically thinking, wow, once again, there is nothing more hateful than Christian love. And I shared that in the video, because this phrase is a paradox and people's responses to it range from relief by those who have been hurt by Christian love because they felt like I had seen them. I had validated them because I shared my story to anger and offense 
from those who feel like they have the right to judge others and call it love. Now, my own spiritual journey finds me on this same spectrum of emotional responses as well, because as someone who was deeply entrenched in my religious heritage, that taught me that I was spiritually superior to those who did not look like, love like, or believe like I did, I would never have considered the pain my words had caused another, especially since I was saying exactly what I had been trained to do. And and thinking about how people would respond to it certainly wasn't part of our indoctrination. It was just about laying testimony to your faith, regardless of how they responded to it. You had the right to judge people and call it love. But now that I've deconstructed from my religious heritage and I'm healing from my religious trauma, I see how a person's religious belief should never be the only filter through which we see our fellow humans, especially if it means we use those beliefs to judge, condemn, dehumanize, and oppress others. And I want to go back to something I just said. If you notice, I say I deconstructed from my religious heritage and am healing from my religious trauma because any kind of trauma is an active process that you are constantly laying groundwork. You are constantly making sure you're self-assessing to make sure that there's a part of you that isn't responding to someone uh, that's reminding you of your trauma. And so this is an active process that you're always building your foundation stronger and making, you'll hear people say, wow, I'm triggered and I don't know why. And more than likely it's triggering something inside you that's, that's reminding you of a traumatic experience. And are you going to respond from that place of trauma or are you going to process it and figure out, nope, I'm safe. I'm good. I have other options of responses to me. And that's what, what we try to do when we're working through any kind of traumatic experiences, we're always working with that. And that's why it's important important to have you can, uh, hopefully you can have spiritual care in your life but also a licensed therapist who can help you with your mental and emotional well-being but in this wide chasm between the two opposing views of people saying there's no nothing more hateful than christian love and people who saying they have the right to judge people and call it love it's how we live in community that's what's important here and millions of us everyone is just trying to figure out how to navigate life without the threat of being judged, especially by those who believe that their religious views should dictate the governance of a nation's people like we have here in America. And those humans are now the majority in America. In other words, let me rephrase what I just said. The majority of Americans now say what the data indisputably reveals is that more people in America now prefer to live outside the restrictive construct of organized religion. So what does that mean? It means that America is officially unchurched. Now, how we became an unchurched nation, I've talked about that a little bit more uh, on the podcast, but for today, it's important to know that this, to this, as we begin to loose the binds of how this, the, the nation is held to this Christian quote, love that this love that's been demanding that they, that we are held accountable to this standard of their theological beliefs and somehow uh, putting the Christian in a moral or spiritual uh, superior, superior position than the rest of us. Now I want to pause for a minute and say, as a parent, I will admit that I think I've said this kind of phrase before, like, look, it's only out of love that 
I'm acting in this way because let's be honest, anybody, anyone who's ever had children, especially the teen years, you know, you have to bring it all to just get through those and protect them sometimes from things that could harm them physically or emotionally, or even spiritually. We are responsible for them when they are incapable of making some of the decisions that would impact their lives long-term. So in those out of love moments, I would often remind my children that I'm not here to be their best friend. They can go to their room and close the door. My job was to protect, educate, and nurture them until they were capable of making the decisions for themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that I, they weren't angry with me. They were. And it doesn't mean that I always got it right. I made lots of mistakes as a parent. But... For most of those, it wasn't until years later that they could see the wisdom in those moments when I had to be the voice of reason when they could not. Okay, now, so do we see the difference here between what what it takes to parent a child and using those out of love admonishments and how outrageous it is that that the Christian thinks that they are in some kind of position of authority to determine what is best for people who do not look like, love like, or believe like they do. It is not the same, but that's the only analogy that that you can use to say, you are not in a position of moral or spiritual authority over me. To, to judge me and then call it love. It's just not the way it is, but their indoctrination convinces them that they are. But when I've pointed out this absurdity in equating judgment and condemnation with love, I will often get scripture thrown back at me. And it'll often come from some one of Paul's letters, because let's face it, especially a lot of the uh, contemporary modern Christian, which is very much wrapped in evangelical Christianity, a lot of them hyper focus on Paul's letters over the teachings of Jesus. That's just that's just fact, because I lived it for years, for 50 years, I lived it. So I know what I'm talking about, but let me just tell you, they'll talk about um, this ministry of correction, which is part of their responsibility. And they'll pull up scriptures that say that we have the responsibility to correct people who are wrong. So they might, I'm going to talk quickly here, but we'll put these in the show notes as well. They'll talk about Acts 20, uh, 26 and 27, Acts 20, 28, Galatians 6, 1, 1 Timothy 4, 2, where it says something like, 1 Timothy says, let no one look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in your speech, conduct, love, faithfulness. Acts 20 says something like, therefore, I declare to you that I am innocent of the blood of you all, for I did not hold back from announcing to you the whole purpose of God. 1 Timothy 5, 1 says, do not address an older man harshly, but appeal to him as a father, speak to young younger men as brothers older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with complete purity. So in other words, they're saying that they're showing that their, their community is as wide as their city, that they are responsible for the moral, the moral compass of an entire community. And that is not what these verses are saying, but let's keep going on. Uh, because you'll hear Matthew 18 often quoted as well, where it talks about if your brother and sister sins, go and point out that fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others with you so that every matter may, may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to even listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, these verses are clearly speaking 
at how spiritual communities are to teach, empower, instruct, and live harmoniously together. There is absolutely nothing in these scriptures that would lead anyone to conclude that these instructions are being given to empower Christians to be the judge and jury over the entirety of humanity. Because throughout the gospel, you can find Jesus teaching on these characteristics of his kingdom and talking about the character of God. But it's not talking about how we are talking about spiritual community. We are talking about spiritual community. We're not talking about the community at large. So in other words, these instructions, whether you're using Jesus's words or you're using Paul's words, they're talking about the actual embodiment of how people are living spiritually and harmoniously. Now, before you say anything else, this is not being in conflict to anything that Jesus is saying. You have to remember that this is written, these scriptures are written at a time when people were trying to figure out how to live together. What does, what does morality, morality look like? How do we correct one another? How do we communicate that? Before you could be like, well, let's just go chop somebody's hand off or stone their children. No, this was about learning how to communicate with each other. So I think it's also important here as well to talk about what exactly the word church meant in the scripture at that time. It clearly was not talking about a brick and, brick and mortar building because they didn't have those back then. They were talking about relationships. They were talking about people to which you had some kind of intimate physical relationship with, with, be that in your home, be that in your, your small uh, spiritual community, whatever it is. But what this comes down to is that I make a post or I celebrate something about my life does not give you the right to judge that. It does not give you that the right to condemn it. And then I'll hear people say, well, that's exactly what you're doing when you talk about the evangelical Christian, and or you talk about Christianity in America. The difference is I am not using my spiritual beliefs to oppress other people. I'm not judging you based on the color of the, your skin, where you live, where you were born, your sexual or gender authenticity. But when your religious beliefs are used to oppress and strip the rights and dehumanize and demoralize other people, that's oppression. That's religious oppression. That's different because human rights should always take precedence over religious beliefs. So yes, I'll continue to advocate and push back against those because again, we have this hyper-focus of creating this elevated status of the Christian beliefs over everyone else. And that's why it's important to make these delineations on what any, any verse in the Bible talking about how people live together versus people who are in, a, in different communities and how we, how we live and support one another and why it's important that human rights always take precedence over religious beliefs. Now, I'll admit that there was, were times where um, in the past when I was entrenched in, and indoctrinated into evangelical Christianity, I would hear people say things about accusing Christians acting like we were in some kind of exclusive club. And that really hurt my, my, um, 
feelings because people would say, well, you just lack humility. You out, you guys act like you're the only way. I'm like, well, we are. Can't you just see that we're trying, we're trying to show you the way, just like Jesus talked about the way and the, and the truth and life. What I see now is that I had many proverbial red flags that were waving wildly to alert me to, to the pain my faith was causing. I mean, when you are receiving instruction that Jesus's words of judge not, lest you be judged, do not, re- do not reflect on what you're doing and how you're, how you're treating the rest of the world, then you don't question it because there was actually training on why that verse did not apply to how you condemn and judge others. So when you don't question it, that means you are fully indoctrinating and only looking to the pulpit for your understanding of scripture and how it manifests in your life. Now, this is where we typically get people talking and say, well, stop talking in large S, start to stop talking about how this is the entirety of Christianity. But listen, friends, I'm going to be honest. I am so tired of that. I'm tired of being asked to defend the good Christians when they seem to be the ones who are tolerating this proclamation of their faith system that says they have the right to do that. I'm tired of witnessing the silence of the good Christians when it's not, they're not the ones calling out the, the hypocrisy that lies in this toxic and caustic attacks on people who don't believe like, look like, or love like they do. It's the ones who have deconstructed and have left. I'm not seeing that. I'm tired of witnessing the call to return to church where good Christians sit beside those who are doing the harm and doing little to push back on those harmful actions. So as much as I hate to admit this, this was really hard for me. And I know I've talked about this before, where I've talked about how in the past I would read things about Christianity must change or die, or that things are going to just get to the point where Christianity is no longer relevant. And it broke my heart because it's, it's who I've been my entire life. But now I'm to the point where I also believe that because I think that sometimes it's so broken that people don't understand that what they're protecting is a system that's hurting other people to the point that people will continue to fall away because the, what we're hearing is that this old adage that you just should go back and blindly be loyal and close your mouth and be silent and suffer in silence in the pews because it's worth it for the good of the whole. When in reality, I don't believe that today's Christianity looks anything like what if, if Jesus had a vision for it. And I don't even believe that Jesus came to start Christianity. I think he was trying to show us new ways to live, but he wouldn't recognize anything that's going on, especially when you look at the millions of, of that's go, that's being raked in unaccounted for in this thing called the mega churches. That's very entrenched in the modern church, the Hillsong church kind of model with no accountability on the finances and nobody knows where the money goes. No, that's not, that's not the model for Jesus. The person who went into the, into the temple and was turning over the money changer tables. No, I think we're looking at a new time for a new reconstructed theology that will not include mega churches and that Christianity will look much different than what it does now. And even though I am still very much consider myself, I embrace my religious heritage. You, no one could kick me out of the Christian club. I did the work. I've been baptized twice. I've been ordained as an elder. I started down a ministry school. I know what it's like to, to be fully indoctrinated and do that work. I've worked countless, countless hours 
trying to do the work of the kingdom as it was described to me, the way it was defined for me. So I hold on to my heritage and you cannot take that away from me, but I reject anything about Christianity that is doing the harm that it's doing now and causing the harm that it's causing. That is not the way of the future, my friends. But I believe holding space for everyone, and regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of where they were born, regardless of what, what they believe, regardless of their sexual and gender authenticity, that indeed, my friends, is the way of Jesus. And blessed be. Woo! You can tell I was worked up about that one, but I am so honored to be in this space with you. And I pray you receive something because I know I did. The teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply, unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.